As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Matt Goldman. And we're having 20-minute talks with entrepreneurs teaching you how to launch your product into revenue. Check out our book at howtobuildarocketship.com to reserve your launch discount and to download a free chapter. Today we talked with Christine Liu, co-founder and CEO of Affinity China. She talks all about mental health and founder depression. Specifically, how you should feel when you're seemingly not the only one in the room who's killing it. We chat about how everything would be so much better if everyone was just a bit more real in their interactions, as well as the massive value of having someone you trust to share your struggles with. Hey guys, I wanted to take a minute to thank Codeship for sponsoring the show. Codeship makes continuous deployment simple and easy, and we've actually been happy customers of theirs for a very long time. You should go to codeship.io slash rocketship to check out videos and tutorials all about how you can start using Codeship to deploy your product in a better way. We'd also like to thank InVision app. InVision is by far the best prototyping and collaboration tool on the market. I can personally say I can't imagine delivering another design comp without it. It made collaborating with our entire team incredibly easy, and the annotation tool alone saved us hours of back and forth. Go to envisionapp.com forward slash rocketship and sign up to get their starter plan free for 90 days. This comes complete with unlimited screens and unlimited collaborators. Trust me, this is an essential tool for teams of all sizes. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. We're here with Christine Liu, the CEO of Affinity China. Christine, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. So for those that don't know, give us the quick pitch for Affinity China. 
So Affinity China is and has been for the past three years a private network for overseas Chinese uh, looking to invest and travel and experience luxury lifestyles. That's how the company first started. We're actually in the middle of what you call, quote unquote, a pivot right now. And, you know, we'll be talking about that when uh, we're ready to in a couple of weeks. But for the topic, for the purpose of this conversation, um, I'm a fellow founder who has gone through fundraising process and um, would like to talk about uh, the topic you're addressing today, which is the importance of mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's when when we first met um, was I, I had shared an article on growing up around depression and um, and you really helped me kind of um, put it into perspective for today. And so. I just wanted to, to kind of open up the conversation here around mental health in, in startups and get kind of um, why why you're so passionate about um, being so open, which is amazing. Right. So the reason why, and it'll be very, very obvious, is not because I have a soft spot for founders going through depression, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the reason why that I am very open about mental health in general is because I lost a sister to suicide 10 years ago. And um, that is a topic that I've been very, very open open about because, you know, 10 years later, it's, it still hurts, but you're able to process and you're able to better understand. And when you put things in perspective, looking back, um, her death had everything to do with a lot of stigma that still continues to surround uh, mental health awareness. And, um, you know, she hit her depression for two years. And if you look back, uh, when I look back to that, I always say, and I give these talks, and a lot of times I talk to folks younger than founders in more high school is where I like to get them. And I say, what does a depressed person look like? So if you go back to my history, I had a sister growing up who was a straight-A student, right? Perfect immigrant daughter, right? Dream come true. A straight-A student went to Harvard undergrad um, early admission, you know, um, and went to, you know, uh, one of those top top, colleges. consulting, um, management consulting firms after graduation, Mm -hmm. got into Harvard MBA, so got her MBA, and shortly after that, you know, um, started working, you know, the six figures, the ideal job at a big tech startup up in the Bay Area. So all all that being said and done, um, at some point or another, when she hit 28, she fell into um, some mental health problems. And in the beginning, you know, she thought it was depression. It turned out she was diagnosed with bipolar. So she passed away a month and a half um, after her own wedding, which is also a sad story in and of itself. And so, again, looking back, what do you say to that? You look that and you say, what does a depressed person look like? Here you have someone who had lived their entire life with what I call checkboxes next to things that she was, you know, supposed to achieve and check, check, check everything right down. But once you, you know, get married and the rest of your life is unscripted and up to you, I think she was having a little bit of trouble um, dealing with that and the fact that she was very type A, Mm -hmm. which a lot of founders are where you come, you know, and although she wasn't a founder, she fit that stereotype of high overachieving person who is very self-motivated. But but what happens to a person like that when they need to seek help and they don't they, they don't do it or they hide and they don't uh, seek support. Um, they feel like they're all alone. So she went through a little bit of a downward spiral. And, um, you know, that's where my story picks up, you know, 10 years of regret thinking back, you know, if I had only seen the signs and, you know, that's really important. Uh, 10 years ago when she passed away, I had no idea. I honestly did not know anything about depression. We throw that term out so loosely, right? That, you know, oh, I feel so depressed because 
so and so, you know, I don't know, didn't I had a bad you know, day, yeah. yeah <laughs> something like that. So there's so many different variations of depression. I did not understand anything about clinical depression or I didn't even know what bipolar was. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I feel so a part of it to be honest with you is and people can understand losing someone so close to you so soon. She died at age thirty. You spent ten years just telling anyone you can about it just in the hopes that that awareness out there is going to cause someone to go, you know what, I think I'm going through something similar. I should probably check in on um, myself or I noticed this with my co-founder, my partner, my, you know, whoever it is, um, maybe I should check in on them. So that that's kind of where it comes from. Yeah. So um, you've been very outspoken. Um, what effect have you seen um, from people? Uh, in response to to kind of your um, Twitter messages? Oh, well, again, you know, I always say it sounds like I'm a broken record all the time because the public channel, right? All you hear is me sharing, me talking openly. And especially you'll, and for me, it's also a form of therapy um, to, you know, twice a year, when you lose someone to suicide, you've got two anniversaries. And a lot of people who lose someone close to them in this way will understand you've got the anniversary of their birthday, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What, how old they would have been, what would their life have been like? You have the anniversary of their death. And so twice a year, you and this is where I'm a little bit more vocal. And then during the year, you know, if I, you know, see something or that I, I feel needs to be, sh- if I read something, I'll share it. Um, so, so, so that's that's me, and that's where it comes from. Now, publicly, it always feels like sometimes because I'm a little self-aware. I'm like, God, I probably sound like I'm lecturing people all the time. But I, I'm telling you, in the past five years that I've been most active on Twitter. I will not name names, but a lot of the amazing people that I have met that have gone on to be close friends of mine, um, you know, co-founders also and investors um, and just good friends are are folks that have reached out to me via DM or email because they know I've been vocal and um, people have reached out to me because something I said or something I shared resonated or they felt safe Mm -hmm. sharing something with me. And that's that's exactly how I felt when I read your blog post. You almost it's 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 being part, you know, being part losing someone to suicide or going through a really you know understanding what it's like to go through depression or having that empathy. I always say you're part of this club that nobody kind of wants. No one signed up to be part of, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so all of a sudden, you know, you get a DM and you're looking at this person and he's got like, you know, a few million followers and you're talking about, you know, him losing his friend to suicide. All of a sudden, I don't care about any titles. We're talking as people. Yeah. And so um, that that's there's something interesting about that because you, you it's so private and I'm very mindful of that. But at the same time, you wish more people were like that just in everyday life. So that's why. It's good to just just feel like you're still, you know, broken record all the time because it's you don't know who you're affecting. And I, I've seen that happen. So the one side of it in opening up about depression is hearing back from people who identify with what you're saying and are comfortable opening up to you. What about the other group of people out there who is who are in the same position you were in? Um, where you didn't really understand what depression was and what it looked like. How do you help paint that picture for them so that there's more of an understanding and we break down some of the stigmas that still exist? 
Well, I think the way you do it is, it's quite simply, it's not to tackle it as like any term or titles. I just simply share my story. I honestly don't have a strategy when it comes to raising awareness for mental health. It's just naturally just share my story. And I think, um, you know, I, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. I actually don't have any formal training. And I always tell people that because people send folks my way when they're having a bit of a rough time. And I'm like, I'm just that friend who is hyper aware that, you know, you're going through a rough time and what that feels like um, because, you know, I, I've been there and also I've had lost somebody who I wish I had been there for. But um, a lot of times it's just sharing your story. Um, I, I speak at high schools and, uh, you know, a lot of these kids. And the reason why I speak at high schools is because, you know, going back to this complex that you have where you've got you carry survivor guilt with you you go back to a time where like where can I most influence people so I, I volunteer to speak at high school sometimes and you know it, it's great to have that impact and all I simply have to do is share my story I don't do things in a lecturing way or in a mm -hmm. you know clinical way or you know um, you know it's really just about sharing your story so when you reach out to people who have not even had that experience which most of the auditorium of high school kids is usually that, you know, at least it, they walk away thinking ahead and, you know, um, being able to empathize with the story of someone who lost their sister too soon. Right. Let's just start there. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then the depression was part of it. So, yeah. So um, why, why do you think um, this has become a topic amongst entrepreneurs? I mean, I'm glad it has. Um, but why yeah. do you think it's kind of prevalent in our in our community here? I think it's because, and again, um, you know, with a lot of success and a lot of energy and a lot of attention paid to one particular sector, when our our status as people with ideas who raise money get titled as founders and we are being glorified as a group and Silicon Valley itself, you know, and what it symbolizes. And I, when I say Silicon Valley, I'm meaning the tech sector. It could be New York. It could be L.A. tech. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, when you see that, you know, you kind of look and, you know, you wonder, you're like, no, and especially, and you can relate, especially when you know it's not all roses all the time, <laughs> right? right? You're looking at that from afar and you're like, nah, -uh. you know, there, there's just no way that, you know, this is sustainable. And what really concerns me is uh, the number of incubators and accelerators that have popped up over the past several years, right? The past couple of years yeah. and their popularity. And, you know, and again, being hyper aware of the situation and knowing just honestly going through the founder process and knowing how hard it is. I'm sitting back there one day and I'm like, okay, let's, I'm not good at math, but let's try and do the math here. Right? <laughs> I'm like, look at all these accelerators popping. Look at all these young, uh, you know, kids, to yeah. me, I could say kids because I'm in my late 30s, okay? <laughs> so you look at all these young kids, I'm thinking, kind of going through this process of make it or break it. Hey, great, you got into Y Combinator, you got into 500 startups or tech stores or whatever it is. 90% mm -hmm. of startups fail, that's a fact, yeah. right? And but but there's this pipeline of like you know bright eyed and bushy tailed entrepreneurs and God forbid any of us burst their bubble because we're we were always in that we can relate to being in that situation. But I'm also wondering what happens afterwards. What happens when the money runs out? What happens when people hit their first uh, you know bump in the road and you know they don't know who to turn to? You know and and so that concerns me because no yeah. one's talking about that. 
And we right? don't have a support system and, set up And it up happens so publicly, too. It yeah. happens so publicly. And, yeah, and you're right. Uh, we don't have a support system. But maybe we could. Yeah. So, you know, I, I start to, I'm starting to see an interest in it. You're starting to see, you know, folks blog about things, which is great. You know, right before I got on this call, I was reading another story from a founder who just spilled it all out. And I'm like, wow, this is very powerful. Um, so I think we're heading into a direction where I just really wish there was a balance to that. Yeah. Or at least, but I understand why it's hard. So that's the problem. And I don't have the answers, but I'm just pointing out and saying, what about all the folks that weren't able to, you know, raise a series A? Uh, mm-hmm. bri- what happened to the folks who begged for a bridge round and still weren't able to make it? You know, where are they? Are they okay? Uh, is there a support group for folks like that? Because they have a lot of experience that they can also share, not just from a failure standpoint, but from a, uh, you know, uh, onboarding and what it's like to be an entrepreneur standpoint, right? Yeah. And I would almost like to touch on the topic of sharing and what sharing can bring. Um, I, I know for me, sharing has has brought uh, people who um, not only to talk about the topic, but to um, even bring success in business um, future. Just because you fail doesn't mean that if you share that, no one will ever hire you again or you'll never raise money again. Right. Um, and I, I know you've had experience, too, if you can speak to any of it, um, of some of the connections that you've made by being extremely honest. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, going back to earlier, like I don't share my story or I'm and it's at the end of the day, it's all about being real again. Maybe sometimes I feel like it's age because I can remember when I was in my early 20s and I wouldn't listen to anyone. I thought I knew everything. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so. So it's not to say that I feel as a person, I know more than the next person. I've, and, and, and gosh, I've got my, my mentors that I look you know, up to mm-hmm. um, who are older than me as well. And so I think now I just feel I'm at a stage in my life. And again, I'm a mom, so maybe that also helps too. I've got an eight-year-old boy and I'm imagining, gosh, in 10 years, this kid's going to be 18. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of world do I want? What kind of person do I want him to be? Uh, and, and so you just start, there's all this stuff that starts going in your head and you can't just help, but kind of come out of it going, kind of want to be nurturing and I maybe want to help out and just, I don't know how, but let me just start by sharing my stories or letting people know that you can be real and you can also be raising, a, you know, a fund or, um, you know, raising around at the same time. And it's that balance. And yeah, so I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm just, you know, you just get to a point where you're just like, okay, I'm just ready to just be real and surround myself around real people now, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know I, I'm done kind of, you know, in, in your, I call it, I, I call it the bullshit meter, right? You mm-hmm. develop this bullshit meter where you, you can talk to someone and you're like, okay, this person's kind of at this stage great um but hey this person's real i can talk to them and you know we can share and it won't be scripted all the time yeah. right so and i think people will find gravitate towards that and it's not to say again i you see people like three years being in a startup can make such a big difference and change someone right again the 20 something year old version of me and the me now that has gone through two startups that have failed and you know onto my third like have onto my third thing that i'm working on something changes along the way mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and so i think we have a lot those of us that have been through a lot have a lot to share 
and and will and, and and naturally give back in that way. Now, we as a community, we put a lot of pressure on raising, um, and we we kind of look at raising as this milestone, which it is a milestone, but it's almost day one at the same time. Um, I, I was wondering if if you could share for anyone who hasn't raised. Um, what raising is like after and and i guess to to understand that there's what does the pressure look like once once you have um raised a seed or a series a right so you know for me raising is such a distraction but it's a necessary evil if you want to not bootstrap and you see this uh, opportunity to get a company from point a to point b with just enough funding you know and being able to doing it half like half the time or more efficiently and just have the resources so raising is a necessary evil now having said that when you go through the round yeah sure in the beginning you're like woo, i made it right this is the number we hit it and but then you look back you're like wow how much time did i honestly spend pitching people when I could have been working on this and you're just that's why we don't sleep right yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that's honestly why we don't sleep you're at conferences you're at networking events you're being intro left and right you're pitching people um, you're being rejected you're getting a lot of maybes you're following up and that's just the fundraising yeah and never mind the company that you're actually working on while you're pitching that you have to be working on. So, you know, um, it, there's a lot of pressure. And so for me, now that I've gone through it, I look at it and I'm like, again, I'm hesitant to raise because I'd rather work on the product and have something to show for it rather than just talk about the ideas a lot. Uh, you know, so there's, you know, there's two camps, right? And I could see both sides. But, yeah, it, it's it's a little... It's not easy. And How do you see failure kind of relating into um, depression? And um, I guess maybe our our view of depression. I think failure, uh, I think the definition of failure hits people differently, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, you hear the cliches being thrown out. Oh, failure, uh, Silicon Valley celebrates failure. No, they don't. <laughs> Like, what, what are you talking no, right? about? Right? Like, that sounds really nice to say, especially when it's coming from a VC who feels like he's being interviewed by mainstream media and they have to kind of speak on behalf of a whole entire sector. But let's mm -hmm. be honest. Nobody goes in to pitch a VC going, hey, give me this money. And, you know, you know, if I fail, we're going to be cool. You're going to, you know fund me you know for my next gig right now you go right. in and you're like this is all i'm getting i need to make it work or else i don't know what you know i don't i'm gonna fail mm -hmm. nobody wants to fail but you know everybody does 90 percent of us do right statistically so yeah you know it's experience great but but it hits people really hard uh, emotionally it does I've been there, right? Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes for reasons you can't control, sometimes it's, you know, things, mistakes that you made. And sometimes it's things you can't help um, that happen along the way. But it, it, it does. It hits people really hard, I think. And, and I sometimes wonder if this kind of um, fantasy that we, we paint so that people will have startups and, um, you know, pursue this entrepreneurial goal for whatever benefit um if, if that kind of fantasy story is um almost detrimental to um the mental health once you know once it doesn't work out that way yeah it is um and, and again i'm not 
the type to want to go and be devil's advocate. God knows I'm not and burst people's bubbles mm-hmm. before you can see an idea come to fruition. So there's always a balance, right? You want to yeah. be so you want to be supportive of the community. You got a crazy idea. I don't understand <laughs> it, but awesome. You know, go for it and let me know if I can help you. Like how many times have we said that? Yeah. But at mm-hmm. the same time, you know, yeah, um, I, I just it's important you know it's interesting what i tell people and it's funny at a recent um you know recent conference at women to 2.0 conference i was one of the mentors at a lunch and i tweeted this out and it's half joking but actually i'm serious i'm like hey on my way to go mentor some you know young female entrepreneurs and try to convince them not to join a startup or not to start one (laughs) and i say that half joking because it's not easy it looks so glamorous but i do know that person who's crazy enough to not listen to me or anyone else when they say, you know, um, when they say, I don't think you should do this and they go and do it anyways. Those are actually the people that are cut out for this. You know what I mean? Because because they understand the risk. And and I've always had that personality. And I think you can see it in some people. You can tell when somebody is starting a startup because, you know, they really think they can do it, even though everyone else kind of thinks they're crazy, mm-hmm. but they believe in themselves and they understand the risks and they're willing to do it anyways. Um, and then the folks that are doing it because, hey, it looks like a big party uh, <laughs> and yeah. I want to be part of that circle because, you know, it's cool. Um, so I think there's 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 different camps or different types of founders out there. It's true. Um, I can't yeah. tell you how many times I've heard um, we're going to buy a Tesla after we we blow this product up or I right. can't wait to, you know, get my Audi after I raise 20 million, um, which is totally not what you should be doing if somebody gives you money. But <laughs> Yeah. But again, I think a lot of that is insecurity, right? Um, yeah. A lot of that is that whole quote unquote social proof. You say that you want the Tesla because you look around and you see that everyone's talking about the Tesla. So it's part of your identity in, in whatever you're doing. And, you know, again, that goes back to what type of founder are you, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's plain and simple, I think. So, so I'd love to to touch on. Um, you had a, a tweet the other day um, that was, I, I I don't have the exact quote, but it was essentially, um, I hope you all have someone to talk to um, when you're not taking selfies of you killing it, and. Right. I thought it was so appropriate to this conversation, <laughs> <laughs> and I'd love to hear how you deal with um, with kind of the struggles and and who you talk to. So yeah, I so my co-founder in my company is my best friend. I talk to him, um, you know, and so I think the when you're dealing in a company situation, your startup, the I think you're if you can't talk to your co-founder or uh, someone close to you, like your significant other, mm-hmm. who sees you going through this every day, then you got to reassess a few things because at least you should be able to be open with those those folks in your life. Um, I understand. Trust me, I understand. I am the daughter of immigrant Chinese parents who still have no idea what I'm doing, so I. I understand why you couldn't really maybe talk to family members, especially yeah. in situations where you don't want them to worry about you. They don't understand what you're doing and, and, and things like that. Why don't but, you have a real job? 
Yeah. So what I'm saying, and you know, and I like to be, you only have 140 characters. I kind of like to be sarcastic about it, but the, what my, my, the reason, the meaning of that tweet was, you know, you look at Facebook, we're so busy kind of thinking of what is the next thing I can share with people to make it look like I'm doing awesome, yeah. even though I'm really in front of my computer answering emails. Right. <laughs> so like, you know, we, we have gotten so used to that. And of course I'm guilty of it too. We all are, but then Sometimes you take a step back and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's just kind of um, a, a little bit for show and just, you know, um, but hopefully people understand that there's still this whole thing about being real and, and people have real people they can actually talk to. Because I've seen you see so many people get caught up in all this. It, and and so it's it's more talking out loud to myself too. Sometimes mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I, there's certain people I see in my Twitter feed. And I'm like, wow, you look like you're having a party all the time. <laughs> I am so jealous, <laughs> right? And I'm just so jealous about it. you've you're, you've taken so many selfies. You have the right angle. You look the same in every picture. So it's kind of being sarcastic to that, right? Um, yeah. Because I always wonder about those people, again, because I've been through it. And you look at them, you're like, wow, I hope she has someone to talk to when it's not all, like, awesome all the time. Because she sure puts on a good act, or he sure puts on a good act, right? Yeah, so. I saw it as setting up that infrastructure, too, for, for as a founder. Like, you know, these are kind of the essentials that you need. And I, I don't know if you meant it that way, but that's... I saw it as like there's there's things that you should have that maybe you don't talk about, and if if it's yeah. someone to kind of have that real conversation with once a week over a beer, that could be enough. Um, yeah. But it's important to be able to not kill it. Yeah, all the time. but and you know I can again and I can't say this enough. I think it, it comes down to self awareness. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, a lot of people are not very self aware in general. I'm not even talking Silicon Valley in general because life is so tough and you know the, the sad thing is i think when people talk to me and they you know and i i am very flattered because but i'm not i don't have all the answers but i think it's about being real and so i'm in a situation now where i'm again a little older so you've got young female founders kind of reaching out and i'm more than happy to give them advice so i'm kind of in that role now because of experience life mm -hmm. experience right and one thing i hear recurring is you know a lot of flattery and admiration just gets thrown your way how do you do it how is it that you're able to raise your son and also you know start a company that's amazing and you know i a lot of times i tell them i'm like you know this this thing that i do or what you see or what you respect it comes from a very dark place hmm. it really does it comes from a super dark place. It comes from losing a sister to suicide and waking up and realizing that, you know, life is short. It comes from seeing your parents grow old in front of you and wondering if you're going to be able to, you know, make them proud by turning this thing into a success. It comes from going through a really horrible divorce. So I tell people who have not been through those horrible experiences before, you know, um, to, uh, you know, understand that people don't just you know, graduate college and become this person that you admire. I think it's, we are shaped by our life experiences. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens, honestly, in a five-year period of my life from 2004 to, you know, God, no, actually it's still ongoing. I won't say it has, I'm still in that period. You're just knocked down and you get up and you knock down, you're knocked down, you get up. You do that so many times that it just hardens you, okay. right? Yeah. And that gets translated into, wow, she's a strong person. No, <laughs> I've, I'm just, I've just been through a lot. And um, there are certain things that don't phase me anymore because 
you know, I had to go through that. Yeah. 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 And you will get back up. I, I think that's, that's also a great lesson. Yeah. I tell people it's, it's, you do. And that's the beauty of it, right? It's, it's, if, it, there are times when you you probably can relate when you just feel it's just so dark and you're you don't know how you're gonna go forward you don't know what your options are and yeah and there are times where your your thoughts you know you catch yourself right yeah um thinking that hey maybe i, I wish i wasn't here and and it, it's when you hit really you know when you hit bottom I, I hate to sound like a cliche but you don't have anywhere else to go yeah right but and so little by little you let time time do its thing i think um and so whenever people come to me and either if it's a breakup it's a divorce it's a company fail it's like you always wish i'm like i'm sorry there's i wish there was that fast forward button on in life but you know let's check in in two weeks hang in there like what do you want to do tomorrow right let's yeah. just just one day at a time and i think that's important that's amazing advice um well Thank you so much for coming on here and, um, and, and talking about the hard stuff. And I, yeah. I really appreciate it. Um, and so, well, tell us where can we keep up with you um, online? Uh, I, on Twitter, right, where you found me. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm, I'm active on there, right, at Christine Liu. Um, and again, you know, when people say, hey, I follow you on Twitter, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry because I was just ranting the other day about... <laughs> bubble tea <laughs> you know but you know it's, it's you know that's where people can find me and and reach out and such yeah but i appreciate you guys having me on i think it's a very important topic thanks for thanks for tackling it absolutely thank you so much for sharing yeah thanks okay thanks for listening to another episode of the rocket ship podcast if you haven't yet pop open itunes and subscribe to be notified of future episodes we have some really great ones lined up and while you're there, leave us a review. We really appreciate each and every one of them. I wish that-